I know you've been waiting for this, so I won't be too long. I just want to remind you of the Mac Brock event coming up at City Church on October 12th in Albany, New York. This is a free event open to the public, so you're not going to want to miss it. For more information, you can go to our website, insideoutgroup.org forward slash Mac, or email citychurch at info at citychurchalbany.com. Now, before you start listening, if you haven't listened to part one of the interview with Brandon, press pause, go to episode 12, and start there. This is a great interview, and you don't want to miss any part of it. So without further ado, here's part two, the business versus the church. You know, just to to kind of play off of what you're saying, Brandon, with the whole communication thing, I recently, actually today I was on a conference call, um, and... And one of the things that the, the new statistic for 2018 was said is that the average American, not even millennial or Generation Z, the average American looks at their smartphone 2,617 times a day. Think about that for a second. 2,617 2, times a day. And so going back to communication, um, how, how often do we as a church just say, hey, fill out this form, sign a dotted line, and we'll email you in five days? Or how often do we say sign up in the back over here or how often do we hand out paper documents and look we're totally guilty of this too and this is this has been an internal conversation that we've been having as far as like we need to stay on top of culture and the trends in the digital world to be able to communicate to the people ultimately that we're trying to reach and to be able to um communicate expectations standards etc cetera, etc cetera, in this digital age because we are we are in essentially a paperless generation at this point um, I don't. Even, I don't even know if you can coin that as a phrase, right? Make me famous. So paperless generation. Um, retweet that, you know, Simon Sinek. Um, I don't know. That was <laughs> that was horrible. Anyways, so but yeah, just to play off of that, um, I'll turn it back over to Nate now since I'm rambling. Yeah, no, so this is all good stuff. So, uh, Brandon, why do you think churches overlook business leaders who attend the church? Man, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's really because they don't see the benefit. They don't see the benefit um, that yeah. business leaders bring to the church. And now, and we have to be careful here too. So let's think for a second. I mean, we're talking, of course, um, about a very broad topic. So again, this could be a conversation that leaned toward business principles, you know, how to communicate or or, right. what, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but if we're thinking just business-minded people, um, we have to be careful about, um, or maybe not careful, but we have to be more clear, specific about what kind of churches we're talking about, right? Because in many churches, that church government setup is going to look uh, a lot different. You know what I mean? So, for example, um, you're not going to have the same freedom um, that you know maybe City Church or Redemption Church has in how they structure their church and how they uh, perform. Um, I don't want to say perform, but about how we we put together our service and structure our service as say someone um, in the Presbyterian Church, right? You know, they have a very specific form of church government, a very specific mm. form of of liturgy, and the way that um, their church operates, and it's going to be different in, in how they look maybe at a business leader in their church. Um, in the again, depending on how we. Um, you know, took this conversation, for example, whether we're thinking strategy and innovation and things like that, it's going to look different. Um, but I think if we're talking specifically about, you know, and again, we can just use our own churches as as examples here, you know, uh, just the, the modern evangelical church. Um, I think they just don't see the benefit. They don't see um, how maybe 
the the stri- the strategic thinking that a business leader could bring to the table, or the the innovative, um, this entrepreneurial spirit maybe that that business leaders can bring to the table. Um, they may, maybe don't see the experience, right? A lot of these business leaders, you know, we were just talking a, a moment ago about communicating with baby boomers or these different generations. A lot of those people come from. Uh, backgrounds where they've got a lot of experience going through a lot of different things um, that maybe yeah. don't du- directly relate to the church, um, but there's they cross over, right? I mean, we already talked a minute ago about some of the similarities between the business world and the church world. Uh, mm-hmm. If you've never been a manager, if you've never been um, a business owner or a leader within an organization like that, especially you know higher up in those management uh, levels, you may not have ever had to hold anyone accountable besides your own children. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. those people who have had those experiences, um, even though maybe sometimes we feel like that's what we're dealing with in the, in the church, right? But, you know, they they have experiences um, from that world that they can bring into the church. And I, I think the the leaders in the church are maybe just missing that. They don't see it. They don't recognize the benefit. They don't uh, understand how that can translate into the church and maybe you know, to, to bring it all back together. Uh, maybe that's another part of it too, is they don't see an overlap and they don't see a correlation or anything, um, that ties the business world and the church world together. They think of them as totally Mm. different as, um, no, you know, there's no, nothing joining the two together. Um, maybe they're afraid that they don't want the church to be what they perceive a business to be. And so they don't want to bring in those things. They don't want to bring in words like strategy or innovation or accountability or performance management. You know, that's a vocabulary that they think is almost hostile to the church. And so it could be a thing, uh, you know, where they're maybe not seeing the benefit of what a business leader could bring. And it could also be a little bit of fear where they're afraid that if they start talking like this, all of a sudden the church is going to turn into something, um, that isn't church anymore, right? It's going to turn into, you know, charging outside of the temple for sacrifice, you know? And, uh, and I think that's a, that's a legitimate fear, but I think, um, there's so much that business minded, strong business minded people, um, can bring to the church that, that you're missing out. Uh, if you, if you don't utilize, um, those people who are in your church. Yeah. I, I, I just want, I kind of a, uh, really a success story. I have a friend of mine, a fairly, fairly close friend, and uh, he actually was a, he started out, I believe, as like an associate pastor at a local church up here, then filled in for a lead interim pastor. He felt that he wasn't the right fit, so he did not take the job. Long story short, he was able to use his Christian principles and leadership that he used. And on top of that, I believe he also has an MBA uh, and, and kind of uh, bring this entrepreneurial spirit, this business leadership spirit, but also the faith side of it. And from there, he was actually able to go into the marketplace, into business leadership. And now he leads this this movement called One Troy that is directly under Governor Cuomo. Uh, but he equates a lot of his success to the ties of the business side of things in the church, the faith-based side of things. And so I do think that if the church plays it smart with recognizing the right people, um, you can really hone in on their giftings and ultimately use it for the glory of God. And I mean, the glory of God... Uh, I mean, God's mission is the renewal of all things, the, re- the redemption of all things, no pun intended with Redemption Church. What's up? But, um, but the renewal of all things. Um, and so I think a lot of times we think that just in the context of the church, but if God places skilled men and women in healthcare, in business, entrepreneurial leadership, owners, construction workers, whatever it may be, the church should be equipping them to take the gospel and to intersect uh, their their natural talents or their business talents with their God-given talents, which ultimately 
um, their God-given talents are their business leadership and stuff like that. Those I do think yeah. that those two are should be married closely together, and there's a lot of good that the church can do by looking at this as an opportunity instead of, uh, you don't really relate with us, you know. So yeah, my and, two and cents think, there for what it's worth. Yeah, and, and think think about it like this too. You know, I've got a, a copy of um, you know Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People in front of me, right? So if you read that book, which I'm sure you know both of you have either read it or you know read um, you know a lot of things from uh, that particular yeah, book, totally. and this is just one just one example. But if you think about it, he in this book pulls principles from the scriptures to make this book. So this book, in all truth is really full of biblical principles. It, re- it really is, of course, written for a secular world or, again, secular, the way that we're using the term is just, you know, maybe organizations or whatever outside of um, that aren't the church, you know. But those are biblical principles that the business world is utilizing for their benefit. So think about that for a minute as we're allowing the business world, the secular world, to take our standards, our principles, and use them to grow their businesses, to make money, to be profitable in, in the world. But if all truth is God's truth and we're failing to take the experiences that people learn in the business world and apply them to the church, that, to me, that's, um, that's a bit irresponsible, to put it lightly. You know, we're, we're giving away all the principles, everything that God says, um, yeah. the, the way that businesses should operate and the way that we should treat others and the way that we should be proactive and the way that we should, you know, think with the end in mind and all these different principles in here that, again, may, obviously we're not talking direct quotes from Scripture or something like that, uh, but we're just talking about principles in the Scripture that he draws out and kind of reframes and puts in different terms. But we're giving that away to the to the business world while at the same time we're not taking things that are true because God says they're true from the business world uh, and utilizing them in the church. And I think that's, um, I just think that's a big benefit that we're missing. Uh, yeah, just, it's just a big benefit that we're, that we're missing out on. Yeah, no, that's good. And I can tell you the same thing that I know there's stuff that I see my managers do and stuff that you can totally see have Christian principles, whether they realize it or not. Um, and I mean, that kind of goes into our next question here is, you know, so what has serving in the church taught you personally about leading in the business world? So we talk about how things kind of bleed over naturally. How what are some things that you can see in the church that taught you uh, to apply in the business world? Well, you know, I think we could, I think we could talk about really kind of like you said, you know, it kind of bleeds into this question, but obviously, you know, you have great books with great advice, with great uh, principles in them, like whether it's Seven Habits or How to Win Friends and Influence People, Del Carnegie, something like that. You know, I have all these great classic books full of, you know, quotables and, and things like that. Um, so, of course, in in one way, uh, that's not necessarily the church, but that's biblical principles, I guess, being drawn out and utilized in the business world. But specifically talking about uh, the church and how that's what that has taught me about leading in the business world, I really think that the biggest uh, the biggest thing I've pulled out is you never know what people are going through, so be kind, be patient with people, be understanding. We're we're all just yeah. people. Everyone yeah. has a struggle, and within the church, you know, as often as we feel like people are still, you know, they're afraid to be vulnerable. That's why we really push things like a community group, or you know, what you I'm not sure what you you know call that type of you know group over in city church, but you know, a missional community or whatever. You know, we we, we have people in those scenarios so that they can be vulnerable, so that they can express uh, what they may be going through and dealing with in their lives. And that's the mm-hmm. opposite of what we do in the workplace, right? We we don't talk about those things. Many times um, talking right, about some yeah. of those things might get you in a lot of trouble. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so in the workplace, we don't talk about it. But what you, what you learn in the church is that whether they're talking about it or not, 
they're going through it. They're dealing with it. Something's going on outside of work that you don't know about, um, that you can't see, that they're, you know, maybe they put on their best face at work, but really they're struggling outside of it. You know, maybe they've lost a loved one, or maybe there's a sin in their life that they don't even realize is sin that's that's really, you know, killing them. Um, so as a leader in that type of the business world, I've, I've learned to really look at people through that lens and really recognize like, hey, you know, this person's performance might be lacking. I need to figure out what's going on because it could be something outside of work, right? It could be something that they're dealing with. Um, and it changes the way that you talk to those people, right? Again, like I said, you know, you want to be kind and you want to be patient. You want to be understanding. Um, and, and that's where I feel like because I'm so uh, ingrained in the, the church world and not, and it, really it's not just the church world, but being around Christians, really, you know, I'm around other believers who are willing to be vulnerable, willing to express themselves, willing to talk right. about um, what they're dealing with. And so even though those people aren't talking about it at work, I treat them differently because I never know what might actually be going on. And really that's probably the biggest thing. Um, and again, we're talking specifically about church and we could go on all day about the different principles I've learned. But if you want to boil it down, that's it. Uh, I think you just have to, or you're able through the church to look at your work outside of the church through that lens of you, you never really know what somebody uh, might, might be dealing with. Yeah. And I, I just want to give for our listeners, I want to give two uh, point of references. One is a video you can go to YouTube, but it's, um, and check this out. It's This Is Water uh, by David Foster Wallace, his commencement speech, or you can watch um, kind of the sermon jam, if you want to call it that. It's about 10 minutes long. His commencement speech is 22 minutes long, but the sermon jam's around 10 minutes long. It's a phenomenal one. And then the other, just a book resource that is by a Christian, the CEO of SeaWorld, do not send us anything about the killer whales. Um, but the CEO of SeaWorld uh, wrote this book called Love Works based off of leading through um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And, and that's by Joel Mamby. And we'll link those in the show notes as well. Yeah, I was going to say they'll both be in the show notes, but This Is Water is definitely a good one. I was going to think of the same one. That's one of my favorites, too. Um, so, Brandon, um, you know, here's the the big question, kind of like the the question that we've all been leading up to as we've been talking about this. Uh, <laughs> is the line. church, yeah, da, 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 you know, is the church a business? That is a big question. That is a very uh, big question. So, I mean, we I can call we... in all the theologians right now. You know, <laughs> Tim Keller, well, I, what's I, up, I, man? I do pride myself in being an armchair theologian, so you know. Um, yeah, you're no, you're I, a licensed minister too, right? I am. I am a licensed yeah, minister. I throw that um, out there. Yeah, I am a licensed. I can. These... I can marry and bury. That's uh, praise and, be. Yeah. Sorry. So, go ahead and answer no, the question. I'm just delaying this because <laughs> you know, right now someone's driving in the car listening to it, and they're like, "Just answer the stupid question." Go ahead. No way, man. They're they're built. We're building suspense. Is what's really happening. Exactly. So, <laughs> no, I think. So is the church a business, right? Well, I think we really have to define what we mean by business, right? So I, so here's a question I'll throw back at you guys. What's the next word that you think of after I say business? Um, I think that I immediately think as far, I, I just think operations. Like whenever operations, I think of business, okay. I think operations, management, leadership. Um, I don't think that it... I don't, I don't necessarily think about the product that you're trying to sell because Burger King sells one product and Apple sells another, um, but they're both businesses. They both operate probably similar or have got a mission statement. They have got a product that they're trying to get out in front of people. They have values. Um, so whenever I associate uh, uh, that word business, I really associate it with the behind the scenes, the systems, the strategies, the preparation, the planning, 
um, all of that going into it. I don't even really necessarily associate it with the product. So. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, you messed that up for me, but that's okay. Um, but really, oh, so when See, I you should have you should have <laughs> sent me your notes. Like then I would have been fishing. prepared. <laughs> that's okay. I was fishing. No, those those are good answers. And honestly, uh, I think the way that you framed that um, will actually lend toward my my final answer. Right. So, um, but really, when I think business, the next word that comes to mind for me is profits. Right. If we're thinking a business that's going to stay in business and going to yeah. be uh, yeah. a, a good business. They got to make money, right? They've got to be profitable, or they're not going to stay open. So they might have the best product in the world. They might have the greatest vision statement. They might have the, uh, you know, the the best mission line or whatever that you can hashtag and throw on Twitter, whatever. Uh, but if they're not profitable, then at the end of the day, that business is going to go under, right? So when I think business, I think money, and I think that's where uh, this I just becomes. I want to say money, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So, but that's the. That's where, um, and of course, I'm beating around the bush here, and I'll get to the what I think in a moment. But I think that's the fear when people talk about business and they talk about church. Um, and we kind of mentioned some of this a minute ago when we talked about why people, uh, why, why churches might overlook business leaders, is because they're afraid of, you know, again, all the vocabulary that you just used. They're thinking that if we start talking this way and and utilizing these principles, then our church is going to turn into a business. This big bad word, business. Um, but all the things that you said uh, that you think pertain to being a business, you know, a vision, a mission, um, a product, operations, things going on behind the scenes, whatever, to make this thing work, um, if you really think about it, how, how different is that from the church? You know, our church has a vision. Our church has a mission. Our church has operations behind the scene. We have teams. We have staff members. We have employees. We have benefits you know if you're in a big enough church and some of these large churches i mean you've got so uh, all the things that are going on um within a business they're also going on within a church and then also a product you know of course you've got to have some sort of good or some sort of service that you're providing as a business uh and we have that as as a church also now this is where of course theologically we could get into some debate is what exactly is our product or what exactly are you know is our uh our service that we're offering, but just to keep it simple, you know, we're, our product is the gospel. You know, we want to promote, we want to share, we want people to receive, you know, the gospel. Mm-hmm. We want them to, to believe the, the gospel message. And the, the problem is that word profit. It's that word, you know, when we start talking about money and, and, and are we, are we selling, are we placing a monetary value on what God has said is freely given, right? You know, the gospel is this, this message of God's free grace and of course you know free knowing that it was paid for by jesus ultimately on the cross but in in the sense of of being able to hear it right we're not charging for people to to hear this message uh, of the gospel and that's that's the hang-up where i think a lot of people are are fearful of thinking of the church as a business um but i'll so so i guess in one sense i'll say Yes. So here's where I get to beat around the bush, right? Yes, I do think the church is a business in one sense, and it's all the ways that Mike really described a moment ago. All the things that go into making a successful business, they go into making a successful church. Um, and again, we don't have to go through all of those things again, but um, the vision and mission operations and the other things, those go into a successful church. Um, and it's what we do uh, with our finances um, and how we go about doing business that uh, I want to say that the church, um, 
that we maybe shouldn't think of the church as a business in one sense, because again, going all the way back to the beginning, uh, when we were talking about the similarities and differences, um, when we stop feeling that we're accountable to the Lord and we're accountable to uh, someone within our church, then it's the wrong kind of business. When we're, you know, when we're accountable to some code of conduct that's outside of the scriptures, it's the wrong kind of business. When we're accountable to others, um, not in the scriptural sense, um, but into other people and what they think about us or how they feel about us, as opposed to being accountable to God's people. Um, and we want to be successful for the wrong reason, because we want to be a mega church pastor. We want to be rich. We want our church to be big and grow so that we can have all these nice, fancy things. That's where I want to say, no, the church is not a business. Um, in that sense, uh, because it's not about the profits. It's not about being successful in all of those areas. Uh, it's about the gospel message. Right. And, and I, I just want to kind of piggyback off of this because this is, this is one of the, this, again, maybe this is the way that my mind, my mind works, but whenever you say the word profit within the context of Christianity and the church, um, our profit is an eternal reward. Our profit is reaching more people for the sake of Jesus. Our profit is spreading, uh, or our product is spreading the gospel, right? The prophet is seeing people pass through the waters of baptism whenever they make that decision. And so my thing is, is if we think eternity of heaven and hell is a real thing and everyone will spend uh, eternity in either heaven or hell, then how come, uh, and this is rhetorical, but how come the church is laxed whenever it comes to these principles that ultimately do come from the scripture and in my personal opinion, I think that the church should be more ferocious uh, in in leading the charge with this stuff. I think that the best employees should come out of the church. The best resources should come out of the church. Um, and, and, and I heard one pastor talk about there is no other organization in the world that can touch the church with the amount of resources, the giftings, the talents, the, the needs that it can provide. Um, the community that can be uh, fostered in that. There's no other organizational government, education, business, whatever, that can do what the church can do if the church is running uh, properly within the context and the confines of Scripture. And, and I think that a lot Absolutely. of times we, we, we pass off, oh, I want to be authentic and I want to be organic, is saying I want to be lazy and I don't want to actually be pursuing the mission of the gospel uh, in a ferocious and aggressive way um, to be able to reach people for Christ. And so, and that's, again, that's my two cents for what it's worth. This is my podcast, so I can say what I want, right? Um, right, <laughs> exactly. And that's, and it's, but you make a good point, you know, and the the scripture that comes to mind really when we're talking about that, I mean, you're talking about what our prophet is, it's First Corinthians, you know, when First Corinthians chapter 9, when Paul's talking about running a race, right, and somebody's going to receive a prize, and then, and then he tells us, run in such a way, that you get the prize, run in such a way right, as to right. take the prize. So he's he's telling us like you you need to be pressing forward, you need to be running to receive something. Now, of course, let's be contextual here. I mean, he's he's really talking about um, the prize that we get ultimately at the end, like our salvation. We're we're we receive our crown, right? But that's that's what everyone that I guess if you wanted to say a product, we're we wanted to make sure that everybody receives that crown, right? We want to make sure that everybody gets that prize. That's the product that we have for people. Um, and if we, again, like I said earlier, if we're uh, allowing the business world, the secular business world, to utilize all these biblical principles to be successful, um, to not uh, 
maybe reframe some of the terms that we use or the way that we talk about the operations um, to positively impact the way that we do church. I think I think it's foolish. I really do. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, I think the church, in one sense, is a business, and then in the other sense, I, I don't think the church is a business. So, totally, totally, totally understand. Totally agree. Um, and I get that. Hey, man, good stuff. Really good stuff. Thank you. Yeah, before uh, you know, we just sign off here, I want to know, Brandon, do you have any final thoughts or something maybe we didn't cover, something you want us to just quick dive into deeper? Yeah, actually, yeah, there was something I did want to touch on that we, uh, I think we didn't really have time to get into earlier, but I would like to just kind of bring it back around to it before we finish things up. But, you know, we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, what the church can learn from the business world. And, and again, I guess it's a good jumping point because of how we sort of just ended that uh, conversation yeah, yeah. there. But I think there's, there, there's are, there are uh, a couple more things I feel like that the business world can teach the church. Um, and I'll just list them off quickly. Maybe we can talk about them if we find them uh, relevant or not. But, you know, I think one is how to innovate. I think that's something in the business world, uh, that the church could really learn from. And again, we have to be clear, I guess, the type of church structure that we're talking about here, because in some, uh, you know, churches, innovation is, um, beyond frowned upon. It would almost be sinful. Uh, however, I think in our, um, the way that we look at church and church structure, I think innovation is something that, uh, is lacking in many churches. And I think, Many churches are going to find themselves closing their find themselves closing their doors because of that, because of their failure to innovate, to think differently, to think outside of the box. You know, a, a simple way to put it. Um, because of that, uh, I, well, just just for that reason, I think that's um, why that's going to happen. And I feel like innovation is is, is a big one there. So uh, another one is thinking strategically. So a good example, you know, Redemption mm-hmm. Church was very strategic about where we planted our church. Uh, we had a lot of options for where, you know, maybe we could have tried to purchase a building or build a building or get into, you know, any particular location. Um, we had some different places that we were, that, you know, could have been possibilities for us, but Byron and I, you know, sat down and we talked and really with Byron, just his vision for the city of Beaumont, he wanted to be in downtown and he was very strategic with why he wanted to be in town. He wanted to be in the center of the city, the life of the city, which is funny because there's no life in downtown Beaumont right now. There's not a lot happening. And if it's after, you know, 8.30 p.m., you probably don't want to be down there. However, we're thinking in the long run, right? We're thinking, okay, you know, these these areas, these urban areas, these urban centers are going to go through fluctuations of, um, you know, who's going to be down here, what kind of vibrancy is going to be in this particular area. It ebbs and flows. And right now it's uh, maybe not where we want it to be. But in the next five years, we think it will. We think it will be a more, Mm. there'll there'll be more life in that part of the city. And we want to have a church. We want Redemption Church to be there when that happens. So when downtown is, you know, full of restaurants and nightlife and, you know, exciting activities to participate in and and, and whatever's going to be going on in downtown, we also want Redemption Church to be in downtown. So that was, that was strategic. That was something that we really thought long and hard about where we want to put our church. And I think a lot of churches, they just want to open their doors and they're not thinking yeah. hard enough about um, where they're going to Long plant time. their church or what their church is going to look like. Right. What's our five year plan? What is our 10 year plan? What is our 25 year plan? Are we, are we building this church for ourselves or are we building this church for our children's children? You know, right. and, and that's something where 
Um, it's just thinking strategically. It's stopping, pausing, taking a moment to really map this out and think about what it's going to look like. I mean, again, we're just, I'm, I'm being very specific about, you know, a location, but there's so many things where that go on within the church where you need to bring everybody together, have a, you know, a brainstorming session, whatever, and think strategically about the decisions that your church is going, that your church is, is going to make. Um, and of course, ultimately bringing the scriptures in, in, in seeing what does God say about this, right. uh, bringing the scriptures right. and bringing people together, um, to make wise decisions. But, um, I think that's one. And I think yeah, the last one, let me, oh, go ahead. R- real quick. Let me just, you're talking about the ebbs and flow of a city. So we are, uh, I know you've never been up to Albany and we're going to fix that fairly I hope soon. So. I hope so. Um, but uh, whenever we whenever we opened up at our, I guess you could call it permanent location, where we are now for our Albany location, um, the Lark Street community, Center Square neighborhood, which used to be the life of the city, uh, was on a downturn. But it was one of those things that it there is ebbs and flows with it. And this past year alone, they've opened up 16 businesses on, on our street, which is only a four-block, five-block street. And like right. I was walking down there today, and it's totally different three years later. Yeah. Totally yeah. different than it was uh, three years ago. And, and it's just the ebbs and flows, life coming down there. And, and people are moving to an urban context. And so I, I totally agree. Uh, planning, plan, and even if you're in a suburb, like planning in a strategic location, making sure yourself is visible. Uh, and, and again, that long-term effect of we're not doing this for us. We're doing this for the generation that's going to follow us and then the generation that's going to follow them long-term. So go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, so something uh, I think uh, I think that we should be clear about, though, and that I would like to be clear about on my, uh, from my end for sure is, um, again, we're, while we're saying that these are things that uh, the church can learn from the business leadership world, I know I said it in the beginning, but I definitely want to emphasize that it's all already in the scriptures. All these things that we're talking about, uh, the the Bible lays these things out for us and talks about these things. Uh, I think. The, the way that it's learning from the business leadership world honestly isn't really learning. I think it's just taking the way that the business world has reshaped or reframed or retermed, um, even created new terminology for some of the things that we're talking about so that it can be communicated more clearly and thought about differently. Um, but the principles, uh, they're there already for us in the scriptures if we would take the time to, uh, to read through them and, and talk about them and do what the business world has done ourselves, right? So we should be the ones writing the seven habits of highly effective people. And of course, there's great Christian leaders out there who are, you know, we could obviously name quite a few who are, are doing just that, who are taking scriptural principles and and re-framing uh, them within the church's context. So, and I really appreciate all of the, the, the men and women who are doing that. But uh, I just want to say that because the next thing that I'm going to say, uh, and, and we can maybe finish up with this is, Something that the business leadership world can learn, or the church rather can learn from the business leadership world, is how to work together. Uh, any successful business, any successful venture that is being taken on um, outside of the church, if it's going to be successful, it's because the people within that organization can function together. Um, and I think the successful businesses that we see um, that stay successful right in the long term, not the ones that come up quick, make a lot of money and then, and then fall apart. Um, But the successful companies that do the most good um, for their city and for, uh, for the world, you know, this idea of a corporate social responsibility, you know, these, these great, and I'm sure, again, we could think of a lot of different companies who are doing a lot of great things in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. But these companies are successful and they're doing all of these things ultimately because all the people are working together as a team uh, 
and again, this can maybe go back to, you know, Mike earlier mentioned, you know, why don't, why is it that maybe sometimes we, we, we feel like people can't, uh, they're not behind the mission or they're not bought into the mission of the church. Um, this, this is something where once we clearly define what our mission is, we clearly, um, you know, we make it palatable, not necessarily palatable, but maybe perhaps um, we just make it, um, understandable to where it's very clear and share that with our people and make sure that our people understand it and they grasp it and they do get bought in now that they um, clearly, you know, understand and know what it is, then they'll begin to work together. And I, maybe I, uh, I guess those two things really tie in to one thing, you know, making, having that clear mission and then having people rally behind what that mission is. And you'll find that in all successful companies that they have a mission and they have a vision for what their company stands for and what they want to accomplish and what they're going to do and how they're going to do it and why they're going to do it. You yeah. know, you, you mentioned Simon Sinek earlier, you know, he that book start with why such so that's a great book. Um, and it's the same thing within the church. We have a mission. We know what our why is. We just have to communicate it clearly to our people, and then they'll rally together and work together as a team um, to accomplish you know, the goals that we set out to accomplish. But again, I, I don't want to talk about the business world at large because there's a lot of uh, companies and, that we could probably also think of that uh, maybe don't work well together, but they're not going to last. Enron. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yes, a little Southeast we, Texas we could, there. <laughs> we could mention Enron, right? Uh, but there's companies that, you know, uh, if they're not working together, they're going to fall apart. So we're not talking about those companies, but we're talking about this, the big ones, the successful ones that are doing good in the world, even though maybe they're not doing it for the right reasons. They're still having an impact in the world. Um, and there's teamwork. There's there's a solid team um, within those businesses of people that are rallied behind that uh, that vision and that mission for that company. So anyway, those are a few things that uh, that I also think that the church um, could really learn from uh, from the business world. Yeah, no, I, I, man, I think that that's good. And, you know, e- even the last little part, we'll have, we're going to set up another episode, bring you on uh, for sure, because this is, this is gold. Um, but even the whole concept of like common grace theological discussion is common oh, yeah. grace. All oh, of yeah. these things are acceptable, not acceptable, they are available to, to everyone out there, both Christian and uh, non, non Christian at the same time, believer, non believer, and stuff. And that is the common grace of God. I think a lot of times that the Christians uh, forego that and we just kind of uh, categorize it in, into a certain area. But that's theological discussion. Another well, time. I do want to. I do want to say though. So we're talking about common grace. So the name of our next child is going to be Kuiper, uh, which of course is uh, the last name of the Dutch philosopher uh, Abraham Kuiper. So very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about common grace. That's, that's Kuiper buddy. That's, that's cool, man. That's cool. Hey, uh, I want to tell you, uh, thank you. I greatly appreciate this and we will, uh, soon be setting up another time to continue this discussion because there's just so much, uh, you just have a lot of wisdom and I do appreciate it. No, thank you guys so much. This has been a, a lot of fun and I really enjoy talking to you guys and, uh, and being a part of the inside out podcast. It's been a blast. Yeah, no, it's great having you on. If uh, So I want to thank everyone for listening real quick. I know this is a longer episode, but we really appreciate you guys uh, sticking through it and hearing everything that Brandon has to say. Um, Brandon, if people wanted to find you on social media, where can they find you? Twitter, Instagram, shout out your handle. Sure. Well, man, I guess the question is, do I really want them to find me, right? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. If you, <laughs> I'm just, just kidding. Give, just give them someone else's, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know what's really funny about you asking me that question is unless I were to pull up my Instagram, I would have no idea what my own Instagram or t- handle is, but I, okay, so I think it is, uh, I 
BP Stacy. Yeah, B as in boy, P as in Paul, S T A C E Y. So that's my Instagram handle. Uh, Twitter, not really on it very often. Facebook, I avoid it like the plague unless I'm sharing yeah, something good. from Redemption. But I good. do post a lot of uh, a lot of stuff on Instagram. So if anybody wants to follow me, and... yeah, yeah. So if you want to, you know, hear more about Brandon, follow him on Instagram. You can check out his profile page on InsideOutGroup.org. Um, if you want to keep listening to more episodes, please feel free to subscribe. Tell someone else you know. Let them subscribe just to hear all this information as we keep talking about it. Um, as always, you can find Michael Moore at Mike Moore ALB. You can find him at therealmikemore.com. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you.